0: There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal.
1: Welcome to No Mere Mortals Cover-to-Cover Series. The Cover to Cover series is a chronological journey through the moments in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation centered on the main character of Jesus Christ. In 2020, the Lord directed the start of the Cover to Cover series that originally began as weekly installments for Sunday morning youth teachings at a local church. In 2023, the Cover to Cover series will move to being a podcast series and Lord willing will continue to be weekly installments.
0: Father God, we just thank you for this time and your word today lord i pray as we we gather here and open up your word we would come to you with open hearts and open minds to experience you by your spirit through your word to just hear from you to experience you to know you and to become more like you in your son's name amen you guys can have a seat so as we've been making our way through the book of Deuteronomy, uh, last week in uh, chapter 30, we saw the blessing of returning to God and, and really the choice of life or death being presented to us. Deuteronomy thirty fifteen said, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, so that you do not hear, and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. And again, just we looked at this, this warning about following after our hearts. That, you know, we have movie after movie, story after story, telling us to follow our own hearts. And what God's saying is, I've laid this thing out before you, but your heart, as Jeremiah tells us in 17:9, is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. He says, should that heart turn you away from following God? Again, the the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. He says this, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you, that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so again, as we're, we're presented with this choice that God's not going to put you in a headlock or, or drag you kicking and sh- screaming, but says, he- here, here is your choice before you. Again, may not always be easy in our life, but it is this simple. Choose good in life or evil in death. And then God calls to you with this just open heart to say, choose life. Psalm 37.4 reminds us to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus told us in Matthew. And so you might find yourself as we go into this and going, okay, that sounds good, but you just told me the heart is desperate. How, how, do, how does that even happen? How, how can I go about this to know that God calls us to this thing, asks you to respond to his open heart to you and go, how? how is that even possible for me to do such a thing? And yet, again, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, we were told to love the Lord your God. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. And so he says not only does he call you to this thing, is that then he will actually be the one to do the work to give us the heart to love him. Now with that, we come to chapter 31 says, then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. Now, I don't know if this means he's showing up on his birthday, but just at this moment in his life, he's 120. If it's his birthday, very interesting birthday, but nonetheless. He says, I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy the nations from before you, and you shall dispose of them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he, said, uh, as he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, and their land, when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to our fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not be dismayed. And so, in this moment, as again, they they guys, they after the forty years, they've come to that moment. They're about to go into the land, and Moses is saying, "Guys, we've already talked about this. I'm not the one taking you in." And then, in front of all these people, he reminds them, "Don't be afraid." Remember why we didn't go in the first time. Go back to Numbers 13. You went into the land and something freaked you out and you chose to look at the circumstances outside of the promises of God. And Joshua being one of the 12 spies that had gone into the land, he then pulls Joshua in front of everybody and to the words that God had spoken to the people, he now speaks directly to Joshua. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He is the one going before you. And in this chapter, we have this inauguration of Joshua as Moses is passing that baton of the leadership of the nation of Israel over to Joshua. And he invokes, guys, remember, don't worry about the giants in the land because remember, remember how we were going through the desert and how God took out Sihon and Og. And it's in this moment that we're, we're almost drawn all the way back to Joshua's really first moment of even being in command under Moses. So Deuteronomy chapter 25 earlier in 1719 says, to remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, and you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies all around, in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, you shall not forget. See, back in Exodus chapter 17, if you guys remember, as they came out of the land that the, in Rephidim that the, the Amalekites, Amalek, attacked the nation of Israel. But they didn't even attack at the front they had on. It's had the, the people who were old and tired and sick and the young ones in the back, he came up and started attacking from behind them. And you had this battle going on. And, and at the end of this battle, the Lord speaks to Moses and says this, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So again, as, as this inauguration is happening, this passing of the baton, God had told him back in Exodus, when it's Joshua's time, I want you to remind everybody about what I did. And I want you to remind everybody about this moment. Write this moment down. And when you tell it, make sure Joshua's right there. Make sure that he hears this. Again, because as we learned in Exodus 17, as Amalek came out and fought with Israel and Rephidim. It says that, that in Deuteronomy chapter 2, which we looked at when we were there, that these, uh, these Rephaim, they are the, the Anakim. And the Anakim, according to Numbers 13 that we looked at, were the descendants of the Nephilim. And again, when we start, yes, guys, we're right back to talking about giants, Nephilim, the days of Noah, the Tower of Babel. They are chaos raging against God's order. And where did we see God's order perfect and complete? It was in Eden, the intersect of God's realm and ours. And it was at the Tower of Babel. It was at Babylon, the the, the anti-Eden, a satanic attempt to elevate oneself to God's throne. And it is these descendants who had come up from behind and are attacking God's children. And what was God's response? He said to Moses in Exodus, he said, say to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. So again, Joshua, this one who's now taken in, who was a slave in Egypt when they were in bondage, one of the 12 who crossed over and saw the giants in the land, the one whose parents named him Salvation. Joshua, Yeshua, Yahweh, Salvation or Yahweh saves. And in the Greek translated, Jesus Again, as this satanic enemy strove to destroy God's children. In the middle of this anti Eden chaos, God sends Jesus to choose warriors for himself. And that this victory was declared back in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden and has echoed throughout human history and in a scene in Israel's history here. Finalized on Calvary, we once again can walk in Eden with our Savior God. Jesus. And we're told that Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And he is telling him now, Joshua, don't forget this. You're going into the land where you saw them. Don't forget Sihon and Og and the victories that God brought. But Joshua, go back to the first time I called you into battle. Don't forget this. And don't forget how, how the battle was won as Moses raised his hands in praise. And Joshua, as he looked to the hill and seen that as the worship of God continued, that victory was won. And that is again with the hands of praise lifted to the sky that God's children defeated the enemy. Again, this war uh, with Amalek in Exodus 17, it has rippled throughout all human history and is echoed in, in the immediacy of Israel's history. This is indeed a war against humanity, but not with other humans. Again, not against fellow humans. Unfortunately, those who who find themselves to think themselves warmongers and think themselves to be puppet masters in this world, financing wars and profiting from them, causing chaos and death and destruction to seek power, are sadly just puppets in the hand of the greater enemy. As we're told in Ephesians chapter 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, this, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And guys, I'm here to tell you as we see these battles today, the war is already won. And yes, the, the battles are a part of our daily lives. That here in this moment, we see that God's people were taken from the land of the dead to the living. That God fed them with bread from heaven to satisfy them and he gave them torrential water from the rock. And it was at this place, in that new Eden that he had even brought to them in this immediacy, it was there that the enemy attacked the most vulnerable. The same thing happens today. The same battle occurs today. But guys, the answer is the same today. And just as Joshua shouldn't, neither should we forget to raise your hands in praise because the war is won. The chaos has been defeated by Jesus who we can now walk forever with as we, he, he has made us to be a new Eden, a new temple for this world. So guys, as, as you find yourself sometimes stuck in these battles, just as Joshua is remembered, where did he look to? He looks to the hill where his help comes from, to the place of praise because the battle belongs to the Lord. Let us raise his banner so that all may know that Jesus is the eternal victor for you and the whole world. With that, guys, jump down in Deuteronomy 31 down to 14, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourself in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. Now the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land where they go to be among them and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day and I will forsake them and I will hide my face from them and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil which they have done, and that they have turned to other gods. Now as we read this, I want you guys to see a pattern as we've been going through this this verse after verse. It's how many times God reminded them, I will not forsake you, I will not forsake you. And then what does he say? And then you're going to get into that land and you're going to forsake me. He says, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. But when you get there, you're going to turn your back and walk away from me. Again, to know that God says, look, I'm not not the one who's going to walk away from this. That he's called you into this relationship, but you as they have the choice, will you just turn and walk away? But again, notice God's response and something that hey, he's already told them this. As we, we go into these chapters to remember that, that Deuteronomy, chapters 28 and 30, really even echoing out of Leviticus 26 where God made this promise to them in Leviticus twenty six forty four, He says, so he's telling them, I'm, I'm going to bring you here. I'm going to give you these things. And yet after all the victories that I, I, I'm going to bring you, you're going to turn and walk away from me. He knows this. You're going to turn and worship other gods. He knows this, and yet his work of salvation is still the same for them. His promises are still secure for them. That eternal security is found in Christ. And in this moment, he reminds them of Leviticus 26, 44. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, nor shall I abhor them to utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. So as we even looked last week when he says, you're going to get there and just know that even when you find yourself in the desolation of disobedience, repentance is right around the corner. That the security in Christ is that free offer made always to all. And even here he says, when you would go there, know that I am telling you that I have not set utter destruction for you. But I am your God. And with that simple act of repentance, you can return to the blessing of obedience. Verse 19, Now therefore write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouth that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel when I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers. And they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat. Then they will turn to other gods and serve them. And they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness. Again, as we even looked last week, what did he say in Deuteronomy 30? He says, you're going to get out there, you're going to do this, but know my word is not far from you. Again, this call to saying I am right there, I have done the work. Know that even when you find yourself at the deepest, lowest moments of your life, that yes, even you who chose in disobedience to walk away from him, he says, my word is not far from you. And he says, Moses, I want you to teach them a song. So uh, when they find themselves there, I, I don't know how about many of you guys, but me and my daughter are very similar to this way. Uh, I was, uh, I'll say it out there, I, I have no shame in this. I was the resource kid in school. And I was horrible at math until I had one counselor sit me down, put headphones back in the days with the Walkman. And I started listening to multiplication rap. And then, I don't know what happened. Boom, This just started clicking. I was like, now this I can do. I'm not going to try and rap for you guys. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. But this music that was put in there, it, it clicked something. And, and for some, some of you guys, that you know, I'll see even on Wednesday nights when we're teaching kids how to memorize verses, how many of them make the hand motions in the songs because it imprints. And so Moses is saying, God has taught me this song. So that when you find yourself at the lowest moment, the song will remind you, my word is not far from you. That my promises are still for you. As he says here, continuing, for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of the behavior today, even before I have brought them into the land which I swore to give them. Therefore Moses wrote the song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. Now, let's not miss something here. That God says, I am doing the work to bring about you victory, even though I know you're going to turn and rebel that God's work of salvation is not predicated on whether or not you, in fact, will respond to that, that he has made his promise to all to say, this is the work I have done for all to come and be a part of. Even when I know you would reject that, he still did the work. Now, something else to not miss in this moment. This is Joshua's inauguration day. And what has God said to him? Joshua! You're getting the baton. You're going to lead this people. And by the way, after it's all said and done, it all will just fall apart and they're all going to go disgustingly horrible, awful, evil. That this whole thing... Joshua, just know that everything that you work for will end in ruin. Have a nice time being the leader of these people. But what is God's response to him in that? Joshua, here's the thing. I will be with you. Don't worry about the outcome, you are not responsible for other people's choices. You are responsible to follow me. And so he's saying, so, so in this moment, you can find yourself going, well, who would ever, who would go through this? And, and the Lord is coming along to say, Joshua, you are not to worry about the outcomes of the circumstances and other people's responses and choices. You're responsible to follow me. And Joshua, know this promise that I'll be with you that his confidence and comfort is not in the circumstance of his life, not in the outcomes that you would hope would happen, but his confidence and hope is walking with the Lord. And this confidence would would move Joshua to a place where by the time he comes to the end of his life, he would declare before the people these words in Joshua 24, Verse 14 and 15, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So as God says, look, I'm going to bring you this victory, even though I know that they're going to turn. And Joshua, it may all end in ruin, but I'm going to be with you. And before Joshua would leave this earth, he would look to his people and say, choice is yours. Remain in the victory of God or or call it evil and follow the the, the gods that we were in bondage to or the the gods who seek our enslavement here. The choice is yours, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He had learned To be content, not in the circumstance of life, but in his God. As Paul would let us know in Hebrews chapter 13. Yes, I unapologetically believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That Paul picked this up, seeing what Joshua was promised and saying, Being happy with what you have. Being content in life is not based on circumstances, not based on what you thought the end would be, but knowing that you have a God who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And even if you turn your back on me and walk away, my word is not near to you. Recall the song. Repentance is right there. The war is over. The battle is yours. Turn in praise to the one who brought us victory. Verse 24, so it was when Moses had completed writing the words of the law in a book when they were finished that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord saying, take this book of the law, put it inside the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today while I am yet alive with you, have you been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? Gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the later days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord and provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. As he brings them to this moment that Moses is going, Look, I've been with you guys from the beginning. Complained at this mountain, complained in the desert, complained for the, the book of Numbers we went through, rebellion after rebellion and rebellion. He's like, if it was this bad when I was here, when I go, it's only going to be a short while to you guys to just utterly just given over into your depravity. And as we look here at Joshua's inauguration in chapter 31. Again, seeing this continuation from the promises of the Lord in Deuteronomy 30, this echo from chapter 28 and Leviticus 26. As we see this inauguration take place, it reminds me of another inauguration sermon. As Moses is, is about to leave this world, as he's telling them, he's handing it off, that there was another famous sermon, as, as an inauguration would take place, by John Withrop known as the grandfather of the Puritans. And he gave this famous sermon called The City on the Hill, in which he quotes from Deuteronomy 31 and Deuteronomy 30. He told them in his sermon, quoting from them, I see I set before you today life and good, death and evil. That that choice was theirs. He gave this inauguration address on an island that would become the airport out in Boston. September 11th, 9 AD, the Roman Empire suffers its greatest defeat in its history. In 1297, September 11th, that's when you guys might find funny. Uh, William Wallace led his leading defeat before his passing against the English, would kick off what would be a revolution. 1565, September 11th, the great siege of Malta, where the Ottoman forces were defeated, really bringing an end to their reign. In September 11th, 1609, Henry Hudson would discover in his half-moon ship, New York City, the beginning of New York, the rise of the U.S.'s economic power. September 11th, 1941, would be the day that the U.S. would break ground to start the building known as the Pentagon, where Roosevelt would declare the U.S. to be the military power of the world. And so in this, in this place of trusting in economic power and military might, on September 11th, 2001, the Twin Towers were hit. A day that we should never forget. But again, just a little note added to that, that on that exact same day, a replica of the ship that brought Henry Hudson was in the bay. A replica of that very ship was just off the coast, watching, looking at the island that had been discovered those years before as those towers burned. We had fallen into worshiping the gods of monetary and military power, bringing judgment on a land as the innocent blood cries out. And as we see this and we see where we are today, know this promise from what we read. Evil will befall you in the later days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their behavior today even before I have brought them into the land which I swore to give them. So what do we do? What do we do looking at this and looking at the reality of what we have brought upon ourselves as a nation of judgment? What what do we do in this moment? Go to where we started this morning. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And never forget that. Raise your hands and praise because the war is won. Chaos has been defeated. And again, you can walk now forever in fellowship and relationship as the new Eden, as the new temple with our Lord and Savior. For every one of these days that you find yourself in a battle, know that that battle belongs to the Lord. We need to raise his banner high so that all will know that Jesus is the eternal victor for you and for the whole world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time in your word today. And Lord, I just thank you for all that you've done to remind us of your great love for us. God, that, that no matter where we find us, ourselves in, in this world, that we wouldn't fall into the lie that things are too far gone for your a mighty hand of power to reach in. So Father, I pray right now that we would take lessons as we we think of the victories that you brought against Amalek, Sihon, and Og. These principalities and powers that you made a mockery of by your cross, would we look to the hill from which our victory comes from, from which our strength comes from. Look to you, the Lord, who has defeated death in the sting of. And Lord, would we become what you desire us to be Your temple, to take your word out into a world that desperately needs to know it. And for each and everyone in this room to know, to not fall into the lie, that no matter how far they've gone in disobedience, that repentance is just a simple mind change away, to turn from this path of destruction to the narrow path of salvation. God, that your word is not far from us. And Lord, would we look at this scripture and would you, we dedicate it in memory and even in song that you desire us for us to know that no matter how far we have gone in this, that your word is faithful and true. Father, would we live in gratitude of that. In your son's name, amen.
1: The Cover to Cover series is part of No Mere Mortal. The No Mere Mortal ethos derives from the biblically grounded and inspired work of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. You can find more No Mere Mortal content, including the Cover to Cover series, on our website at nomeremortal.org. Follow us on Twitter, Truth, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and most major podcasting services. Subscribe, follow, like, comment, leave a review, and share. The music you've heard has been provided by Sicko. That's C-I-K-K-0. And you can find him at YouTube at SickosBeatsSucks797. My name is Bryce, and you are no mere mortal.